You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. You may or may not have noticed that the music that was playing while you were moving around the room, greeting, meeting, talking to each other, was just a little different than normal. The song that played today was actually a song by Jack Johnson called Better Together. And we played it as a bit of a teaser to the new two-week series that we're stepping into today. The series has the same name, Better Together. And the intent of the series is to reinforce the biblical value, the biblical, biblical belief that life is better. In fact, life is best when we live it out in meaningful spiritual relationships. Actually, uh, this is part of our Grace Covenant vision. If you've been around for a while, hopefully by this time, you're becoming more and more and more familiar with our Grace Covenant vision. It's just four simple words. In fact, I want you to say it with me this morning, okay? It's not a test. I believe you know it. You ready? Let's go. Connect, grow, serve, go. Let's say it again. Connect, grow, serve, go. So as you can see, connecting is a vital point. It's, it's, it's one-fourth uh, of our fourfold uh, vision. So we believe at, uh, at Grace Covenant that life is better when we um, uh, live life out in and through meaningful spiritual community, uh, first connecting with God. That's where our, our spiritual life begins. When we come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, uh, we start our spiritual journey. So we believe that it's best when we're living it out in relationship with God, connecting to God. But we also believe that it's best when we're living it out in meaningful relationships, meaningful community uh, with one another. Um, uh, let me ask you this morning. Um, what kind of root system do you have? You see, what I really want us to understand this morning is not that we're just connected into meaningful spiritual relationships, but that we're actually rooted into. And there's a difference. So let me ask you this again this morning. What kind of root system do you have? Think about that. What kind of root system do you have? And while you're thinking about that, I'll ask another question. How many in the room have ever had the opportunity to visit the Sequoia National Forest in Northern California? Raise your hand if you have. It's incredible, isn't it? Cammie and I had the opportunity many years ago. Our kids were young, and it was just the most incredible experience. If you've been there, then you've been up close and personal with some of the largest trees in the world, the redwood trees. In fact, one of those trees, it's called the General Sherman, is uh, believed to be the oldest living single-stem tree in the world. It's some um, 275 feet tall. It's 25 feet in diameter, and um, uh, it's believed to be about 2,500 years old. Now, you would think that something that would grow so tall would require roots that go deep, 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 deep into the ground. However, that's not the case with the, uh, with the giant redwood trees. In fact, uh, the root system really only goes about 6 to 12 feet into the ground. Um, uh, yet these trees rarely fall over. And not only do they rarely fall over, but uh, these trees can um, withstand some of the most extreme, the most severe uh, forces of nature that you can imagine. Earthquake, flood, uh, fire, lightning. Um, they have the ability to, uh, to withstand this kind of thing. And so you say, well, how, how is it possible 
How is it possible? How is it possible that something that doesn't have a, a, a tap root that goes deep, deep, deep into the ground, how can it stand? And it's actually because of its root system. The root system is very unique. Instead of growing deep into the ground, the root system actually grows out uh, and it becomes intertwined with the other redwood trees around it. Um, and uh, not it's literally like the trees hold each other up. And um, not only do they hold each other up, but the redwood trees grow close together. And they grow close together so they become dependent on one another for the nutrients that they need for their ongoing growth. Um, it's as if the, uh, the giant redwoods, the root system, is like an army of men and women uh, standing beneath the ground with their arms interlocked, intertwined, uh, supporting each other, encouraging each other, uh, keeping each other from falling, and um, giving a, a, a mutual uh, giving of, of the nutrients that, that, that they need for growth. It's, it's like an army. So with that picture in mind, uh, I'm going to ask you again. What, what kind of root system do you have? Think about your root system. Have you allowed yourself to um, have a root system in, in the body of Christ, in the church, in the community of believers? H have you allowed yourself to become um, intertwined in uh, meaningful spiritual relationships? Have you allowed yourself to be interlocked arm in arm? Have you allowed yourself to be truly, not just to be a part of, uh, but to be, um, inter again, connected, intertwined, interlocked with, with other believers around you, providing support, providing encouragement, providing um, the, uh, the nutrients needed for our own spiritual growth and transformation. Um, are you living life out in such a way uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the community of the church, the believers, where there is a, a healthy dependency on one another, where you've allowed people to help you grow and you're helping other people grow? Have you developed that kind of root system? Uh, Rick Warren, in his most popular book, Purpose Driven Life, uh, confirms the need for this kind of root system. He says, um, uh, we were created for community, fashioned for fellowship, and formed for a family, and none of us can fulfill this on our own. In other words, uh, when we come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, uh, we're called into community we're called to live out our lives in community uh, with, with other believers. Um, we're not able to do it alone. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. And I know you've probably heard that before. It's very cliche, but uh, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work to try to walk out your faith by yourself. We need each other surrounding us. In other words, uh, we weren't just called to believe but we were called to belong. And, and there's, it, it's, a, it's a partnership. Um, when we believe, that's when we come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but it doesn't stop there. There's more. We are called by God to, uh, to live out our lives in that interlocking, intertwined, uh, connected community of spiritual believers so we can experience ongoing transformation and growth. And as true as that statement is, as much truth to that statement there might be, too often this kind of spiritual community comes with resistance. 
we find ourselves too often uh, resisting, being intertwined, interlocked. We find ourselves too often trying to live out our faith alone as if we say, I'll just de develop my own taproot, my own root system instead of, uh, we find ourselves resistant, shying away from being intertwined and uh, involved with, with the community of believers. Um, I've invited a couple of friends this morning to uh, actually illustrate this point. Uh, they're going to join us by way of video. Uh, and uh, the, the faces uh, may be very familiar to, to many of you. Uh, one of them is our own Mike Schwiebert. Mike Schwiebert serves as the creative director uh, at Grace Covenant. And the other one might actually catch you by surprise a little bit. Uh, it's our own Pastor Luke Lang. Um, as many of you know, and if you don't, Pastor Luke Lang is actually worshiping today, but he's worshiping in heaven. Uh, that's where he graduated to this, this past year. But thankfully, he left a legacy for us and, and his humor, and he's going to help us understand this point that oftentimes we are resistant to this kind of community that God calls us from. And after they're finished, um, Cammie's going to come and she's going to share why we often neglect community. Oh, man, I love this place. They have drive-through relationships. I know it, man. I can't wait. I'm going to try the platter of insincerity with a little side of superficial. I tried the superficial last week, and I was hungry for more in like 30 minutes. <laughs> well, I'm going to supersize mine. I don't know, Luke. Do you think that's wise? Oh, yeah. I am on a strictly superficial kind of diet. I want to keep things light, keep things fluffy. I'm even fasting meaningful relationships right now. That's how I roll. That, that's kind of weird, dude. I mean, I enjoy a fake smile every now and then, but over time it leaves you kind of empty. I don't know. I, I need some connection in my life. Connection's overrated. I want to be unattached. I want to move through life without getting attached, without any complications. Attachments just drag you down. Do you really believe that? Yep, I am a lone wolf. Oh, oh. I think I'd rather run with a pack. Nope, lone wolf is the way to do. I, I just like that. I like being unattached. I like, oh. I don't want people all up in my business. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you don't have business. I got business. Yeah, I've got some really personal stuff that that I just, I don't want people to know about. It's my business and I don't want people to find out. It's, it's personal, you know? What, like that you live with your mom and you have Superman pajamas? I mean, Luke, everybody knows that. Well, yeah, stuff like that, but yeah. I just. <sighs> you know, I kind of, think that you need people. Oh. I, I don't think that's a good place to be in your life. I mean, what if you got into a jam? Uh, what would you do? I mean, the lone wolf stands alone. And, and that's the problem. Oh. I, I think that's kind of dangerous. Oh. I, I don't think that's good for you. I love how Pastor Luke describes it only the way that he can with um, his humor, how uh, insincerity and superficiality can seem so much easier than meaningful relationships and community. Um, that can be really, really hard because let's be honest, not, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, community and relationships can be really terrifying. I don't know if you've had a terrifying community uh, ha uh, story happen in your life, but years ago, Stan and I, when we pastored in California, 
we decided we were going to have a community, our own community group at our house. And so we had um, sign-ups, and sign-ups were really good. And every, I think we met twice a month, and every time before we met, we would get in a huge knockdown drag-out fight. I know it's hard to believe, but we do argue it from time to time. Um, and we would get in this huge fight. And the reason we get in a huge fight is because I knew what was coming. This was before we knew what boundaries were. This was before we knew what our limits were. I knew that 25 people, 25 adults were going to um, descend upon my home and bring their 25 plus kids. And I knew that by the time the evening was over, there'd be tears. My toilet would be stopped up. I kid you not, every time. And uh, something would be broken and someone would be crying. It would just be really hard. And it wasn't fun for me. Stan was having a ball, but it wasn't fun for me. <laughs> but I'm so glad that we didn't let that stop us and that we pressed in. We learned how to do healthy community. We learned um, how to lead groups. We learned how to be part of groups. And fast forward to probably about, I don't know, eight years ago. For about four or five years, we were part of a community group over uh, when we were on staff at the Cornelius campus. And it was amazing. It was one of the most life-giving groups we'd ever been in. Every uh, other week we'd meet, um, everyone took ownership of the group. There, were, there was a couple that would arrange the food every time. There was another couple who took care of childcare. Um, we even took turns teaching with different people in the group. When we when we'd get, we'd get too big, we'd spin it off and start another group. I think we started two groups out of our group. And it was absolutely the best. But still, we resist. We resist and we neglect being in community. And I wonder why that is. Well, I'm going to give four possible scenarios just to challenge us, just to give us something to think about. And um, four possible reasons why we neglect community. And the first one is this. Doing life together can be messy. It can just be messy. Just like your family of origin, doing life together isn't always neat and tidy, and that's just a nice way of putting it. It can be a bit messy, but the truth is that when we choose to do life together, in the midst of the potential messiness, we see God in a way that we wouldn't do, see him otherwise. We are able to experience God's amazing grace. Because when we get together in a community, and we gather and we love and we learn and we grow and we hope and we confess and we share and we encourage and we do all these great things, there's always the potential for issues. There can be hurt feelings. There can be conflicts. There can be misunderstanding. There can be offenses. Um, there can be need for restoration. There can be need for healing. And that's all okay. In fact, that's all good because that's where we get to take our knowledge of Jesus being in our head and we, need to, and we are able to live it out through relationships. That's where we really go. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, explained that in our relationships, in our messiness, we're able to experience the true uh, relationship and true connection that God meant for us. This is what he said. He said, even when sin and misunderstanding burden the communal life, is not the sinning brother still a brother with whom I too stand under the word of Christ? Will not his sin be a constant occasion for me to give thanks for both of us that we get live in the forgiving love of Jesus Christ? 
when we can get past that surfacey ideal that when we get together as believers, everybody's supposed to always have a smile plastered on their face and we're never, um, you know, allowed to experience difficulties. When we can get past that, we get to experience the amazing uh, love and forgiveness and grace of Jesus Christ that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. The second reason we neglect community is because we think we're too busy to make time for others. We think we're too busy to make time for others. Um, Richard Foster, who wrote the classic book, uh, Celebration of Discipline, if you ever want to read a great book about um, Christian disciplines, that would be the one I would suggest. In the 1970s, this is what he said. He said, the new tools of the devil are muchness and manyness and noise and crowds and hurry. The new tools of the devil are muchness and manyness and noise and crowds and hurry. I wonder when he said that in the 70s, if he would know how um, challenged we are today with muchness and manyness and noise and crowds and Facebook and Instagram and internet and noise. I mean, did he have any idea These things are really keeping us from experiencing God in its fullest, in his fullest, through relationships and community. We have to take time. We have to take time for relationships and community. That's what makes us grow. That's what makes us grow spiritually and emotionally. Um, I'm going to say something, and it's a a, a principle that I put in place in my life, I don't know, four or five years ago, and I really work hard at keeping it there because it's a challenge. But I hope you can remember this. Our calendars need to be less about where we have to be and more about who we want to become. Our calendars need to be less about where we have to be and more about who we want to become. Because if we want to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, we have to make time for it. We just have to. We have to make time for relationship. We have to make time for community. And it's a sacrifice. I know that. It's hard. We're all so busy. It's a sacrifice. But isn't that what the Christian life is all about? I mean, God sacrificed his son Jesus for us. Jesus sacrificed his love for us. That's what the um, Christian life is all about. And when we sacrifice, when we sacrifice our time for Christian community and relationship, we can't help but be blessed. So the third challenge or the third misconception is we live in a society that encourages autonomy and independence. We live in a society that encourages autonomy and independence. I don't know about you, but it is really easy for me to be patient as long as no one's getting on my nerves. It's just so easy. And it's so easy for me to love when no one else is around or that when no one challenges me. And it's so easy to be um, confident when no one is challenging me. It's easy to be a saint in isolation, but the thing is, that's an illusion. We're not really saintly. We live it out. We learn to become saints when we're in community with one another and when we make time for each other. It's um, so important. We live in a society, once again, that says that autonomy is good, and that's completely contradictory to what God tells us. Mother Teresa said it this way. She said, we've just simply forgotten that we belong to each other. 
We've just simply forgotten that we belong to each other. And when we can remember that we belong to each other, that we belong to a family, we belong to the family of Christ, and when we make time to get together, God can't help but bless us. We will grow. We will um, connect and love in a way that brings a fulfillment to our lives that would be impossible otherwise. And last but not least, we... um, I'm sorry, I lost my thought, train of thought. I forgot to say something. Because what happens when we're together, thank you for giving me the room to mess up. What happens when we're together is we're able to tell each other the truth. You know, one of my favorite life verses is, uh, it is my life verse, I believe, Hebrews 3.13. And it's encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that you will not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And it's so important that we come together to encourage one another to tell each other who we really are, to tell each other what God says about us, to tell each other what the word says, to inspire one another, to sometimes bring loving correction to each other. It's so important that we do that because we are living in a world that almost 24 seven, sin's deceitfulness is doing its best to harden us. And we have to do something to counteract that. So that is why we have to make time to come together. And now, the fourth reason um, that we neglect community is we are deceived in believing that we can do life better on our own. We are deceived into believing that we can do life better on our own. Our culture um, really lifts up those who do it themselves and those who do it all, you know, do it all on their own. But if we think about it, that is completely contradictory to who God is. That's completely contradictory to who God made us to be because God created us for relationship because God is relationship. He's in perfect relationship, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that triune Godhead, that is, com- that is the complete perfect model for relationship. And if God chooses to himself be in relationship, how can we live a good life, a victorious life and not be in relationship? It's impossible. We have to make room for that. And the Trinity shows us that perfect model. I'm, I'm going to read some verses from it for you. You don't have to turn there, but uh, just for, give us something to think about. From Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to, I believe it's 15. And this is where Paul is um, laying out there, um, instructing everyone of what the true marks, what the true Uh, characteristics are of a Christian. And this is what he says. He said, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Just Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. When I read those verses, and I'm sure you might have noticed this too when I read them out loud, it's impossible to do all that alone. It's impossible to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and serve. It's impossible to do that when we're in isolation. Real relationship and community is so much more than coming to church. It's just 
um, so much more vast than that. It's about experiencing life together. And we can worship together in a church service, but we can't do community and have relationship together in a church service. That takes us going a step further and engaging, um, sharing our life and let other, letting others share their lives with us. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes, or several verses in Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, and I believe it's going to come back up on the screen. And we're going to read it together and uh, just describe this perfectly. And I'm going to let Stan lead it because he's much better at doing that than I am. Well, thank you. Thank you. Are you ready? In Ecclesiastes 4, this just confirms all that Cammie has talked to us about, beginning in verse 9. Let's read it together. You ready? Let's go. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Biblical proof that God created us for community. This is how we're supposed to live it out. Cami has given us some great, incredibly great insight into why we often neglect community. In fact, could you just join me in thanking her for that insight that she's provided? Uh, what I want to do in the last few minutes that we have is um, I want to uh, attempt to move us beyond the possibility of viewing community as um, a, a trendy word that has become part uh, uh, of the Christian vocabulary, but yet has no meaning. And I want to move us on into recognizing that community is a biblical belief. It's a biblical value, uh, and it reveals that community is actually God's design. So as we close, I'm going to give you four, I'm going to walk you through four uh, biblical truths that affirm this reality. And I'll dive right in. And the first one says, in order to understand biblical community, we have to understand that God created us as relational beings and he created us in his own image and in his own likeness. I want to read to you from Genesis chapter 1. You don't need to turn there. You just listen as I read. I'm going to read verses 26 and 27. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. So what's the point? Well, the point is, is that community has always existed. Community has always been present. Community existed in eternity past. When God spoke and he created, he didn't do it alone. But instead, he created in community. He created in the community of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Cam alluded to this. Uh, he, he created in the community of the triune God, the Godhead. And because he created us in his image, in his likeness, he's created us to function in the same way, that we would live out our life in community. The second truth, in order to understand biblical community, we have to understand that the church was birthed in community. I want to read a passage to you from Acts 
chapter 2. Again, you can just follow along. I'm going to read verses 42 through 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common and had uh, at selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Again, what's the point of the passage? Well, immediately upon the birthing of the church, those uh, earliest believers began to live their life out in community. The scripture says, and they were all together. And as they were together, they, uh, they gave themselves together to the teachings of Jesus Christ as the apostles taught it. They gave themselves uh, to uh, breaking bread together. In other words, they shared communion together. They prayed together. Uh, they had meals in their homes together. They met from home to home. They were living life out in uh, community. This was part of their root system. And though those things might look different for us today and form, the values are still the same. It's through these very same kinds of things that we establish our root system within the community of believers. And when we do, God is glorified. Um, physical needs are met. Uh, the lost are found. We, we find ourselves praying together. Here's the third uh, truth. In order to understand biblical community, we have to understand that when we submit our lives to Christ, we are adopted into God's family. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. What's the point of the passage? Uh, in the same way that when you were born, you were born into a biological family. When you came into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, uh, we were born again and we were born again into a spiritual family. And not only were we born into a spiritual family, but we began to live life out in a new realm. That realm was, is the kingdom of God, God's family. And it's once again here where we put down our root system. We live life out as a family. And finally, the fourth truth is that in order to understand biblical community, we have to understand that the church functions at its highest level of effectiveness in community. I'm going to read some verses to you again in Acts, beginning in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says, um, He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to drop down to verse 8 in chapter 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And then I'm going to drop down to, um, uh, you'll be in, in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then I'm going to drop down to verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, 
and Thomas Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas son of James. Listen to this. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And then in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And it's the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that happened is because this group of 120 believers gathered together in one place and they were together doing one thing they were waiting on the Lord they were praying and they were calling out and because they were together in this place doing this thing they were empowered by the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit came and they began from that point to live their lives out in the fullness of the Holy Spirit as spirit filled spirit led people they were empowered and we know that they were effective because that very day 3,000 people were added to the church and that was just the beginning. They were empowered. When you and I begin to live our lives out in meaningful community, spiritual relationships within the community of believers, we experience all these things and we become effective in living out uh, the destiny that God has called us to. So what's really the point of this message? Well, I'm going to ask you... Um, a third time, what kind of root system do you have? See, far too often, individuals will experience salvation. And uh, individuals will experience um, uh, the kingdom of God in that they're born into the kingdom of God, yet never really allow themselves to be truly connected in, intertwined, or interlocked into a community that will stand with and support. As Pastor Luke said, kind of the lone wolf kind of Christian. And I have to tell you, maybe you've tried this. It's not fulfilling. It doesn't work. We need each other to help us live out our life. We provide spiritual nutrients mutually together. And so hopefully today and next week, you will consider greatly what kind of root system do I have? Have I allowed myself, am I allowing myself to be rooted in, intertwined, interlocked in a meaningful way in the community of believers or am I trying to grow a deep taproot on my own? Am I trying to live it out on my own? Because again, it won't work. It won't work. Would you stand? I want to pray for you. Father God, we confess today that um, there are times where we avoid uh, living out this kind of relationship in the community of believers that we're talking about today. Or maybe we do it at a surface level because there are fears within us or we've had bad experiences or we just feel like we can really accomplish it on our own. But Father God, I pray that there would be a change in us individually that would create a, a, a new momentum within uh, the church where we would experience life together 
in the most meaningful way possible as we become interlocked, intertwined together as a great army of believers moving forward in our own spiritual growth and transformation and helping those around us grow in the same. And Father God, we pray that you would cause us to be effective because we've been empowered by your spirit and that we would see that as we live out community, we invite others into this community and that you add to our number daily. Father God, I pray that you give us the power and the strength that we need. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.